0: Welcome to Promo Cares Radio, where we dive into the good being done in the promotional products industry. From general philanthropy to cause marketing to giving programs, we're here to shine a light on those inspiring stories that are helping to improve the world through promo. And now, Promo Cares Radio with your host, Roger Burnett.
1: This is Promo Cares Radio. My name is Roger Burnett, co-founder and president of Promo Cares and vice president of sales and marketing for Branded Logistics. PromoCares is a 100% volunteer initiative created to lift up and recognize companies in the promotional products industry using their businesses as superpowers for social good. We help suppliers, distributors, and service providers and end buyers alike become a bridge for positive social impact. We do this through best practice sharing, online and offline collaboration efforts, and helping organizations with their give back work by marketing their efforts and telling their stories author pro speaker ceo of promotional products industry distributor TagSource, and founder of the finding cortomagora project tanya allen gould is working to make a fictional place real for social good through a cooperative social entrepreneurial effort on an ambassador's privately owned 29 acre island in nicaragua <laughs> Tanya wrote a children's book, picture book, titled Samuel T. Moore of Cortamagor, which promotes hard work, overcoming obstacles, perseverance, and dreaming. Touring with her book, she was inspired to make the fictional place in it, the island of Cortamagor, real. Eventually, that letter to Nicaragua, where one-third of its children leave education before the sixth grade. So Tanya's passion writing for children found its purpose there. And armed with an entrepreneurial background, Tanya and her contributors have set out to do the almost impossible. Crowdfund an island for social good and help a nation of children who need support to stay in school. But something amazing happened in the process. She found an island and forged a deal with an ambassador. And now that project aims to promote sustainable eco development and long term educational impact for children in Latin America. Finding Cordomagora will establish low impact accommodations and resource efficient services to generate social good tourism revenue to help keep the kids in school. And environmental strategies implemented there will be based on innovative sustainability strategies tested throughout the world, and will further help to disseminate the importance of off-grid, low impact technologies for poor rural communities. The island will be used to engage and educate children everywhere about environmentalism through this biodiversity hotspot and social good offering. Tanya, I am super excited to have this conversation with you. Welcome, welcome, welcome.
0: Wow, that was quite a mouthful. Thank you, Roger, for the wonderful introduction. And I am so glad to be with you on Promo Cares
1: Radio today. That's awesome. Um, I, I often say that I have about 30 seconds to flatter the guest. Into keeping them to uh, participate for the rest of the conversation, which can be lengthy sometimes. So I hope I hope I at least achieved one goal, uh, as we said said about uh, <laughs> our I think conversation. that was more than like a minute and a half. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that's that's kind of it, it. You're sensing my enthusiasm for our discussion today because
0: I love it. Thank you so much. Yeah,
1: because you know, um, I, I think I've told you this before. Uh, one of my dad's sayings was, you know. Find what you love in life and you'll never work a day, right? And that was before the internet. So I just thought that my dad was like super profound. Uh, and while that may not have actually been the case, what well, what does remain the case is the, the idea that that is a profound notion of being able to intertwine your passion for a cause with the work that we do every day. And, you know, I guess why you are sensing that enthusiasm for me is because in many ways, I feel like what you've done and what you're attempting to do is like sort of a, a North Star example of that idea, and that I think you know we, we'd be wise to use this time as a framework and a discussion for for our chat, like what what you've been able to do. So is that uh, you cool with that? Like, can, I told you we peel back the onion here, so are you ready uh, for some onion? That's great. Let's get cracking. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So b- before we we get there, let's let's set the groundwork. So let's talk about your your distributorship, right? Because lots of people listening to this are from our industry the promotional products industry so so talk about tag source what it is who it serves you know like if you were humble bragging on your business for a little bit what would you be what would you want to be telling me
0: okay i think the the, the important thing for people to really know is that tag is uh, next year almost 25 years old wow Leave, so we're. I guess we should have some big silver anniversary or something for the company, and I haven't started to really think about that yet. But I need to get going on that. Huh. Um, as you know, most marketing companies who specialize in marketing for their clients don't have any time whatsoever, <laughs> so, so, right. and I think I fall victim to that. Uh, so we're a almost 25 year old consumer promotions and marketing company, um, we deploy the effective use of promotional par- products in the marketing mix. Um, we help clients boost traffic, leads, or sales through prom- promotions, uh, but we were really founded as a resource management company, outsourcing creative services
1: projects.
0: Uh. So my background is actually in professional photography, digital print, uh, that's that form of media display booth advertising. You know, I used to you know, work for a company where I actually did point of purchase displays inside cosmetic counters like Giorgio Beverly Hills and Lightbox transparencies for companies like Paramount Pictures. Uh, So my background was really in all forms of creative um, in in, in the creative fields. And my business was founded on uh, companies looking to outsource their creative services departments to a company when in the early 90s, they were scaling back their creative services departments. So, we're a 25 year old company. We all work, we, we have an office in Midtown Ventura, which we get there and we collaborate and have meetings. But most of us spend most of our days in our home offices, which is where I'm at today.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. So, safe to say that outsourced creative services in the 1990s was not something that when you said that to people, that they inherently knew what you meant. And that. I
0: think. Oh, I think that people in creative services departments yeah. knew what it was sure. because their departments were scaling back. I think that when I started in the promotional products industry, I think the reason why my company was able to land big entertainment accounts like the Walt Disney Company and other major entertainment studios is because I hadn't had any formal experience right. in the promotional products industry. So right. everything that I was doing was, I think, a little different. Than how everybody else was doing it. I was creating mood boards yeah. and storyboards, yeah. you know, well before the virtual sample ever existed. Right. So you know, I, I'd pop into clients, and they'd be like, "Oh my goodness, I'm so used to seeing catalogs." Right. Exactly. <laughs> seeing, you know, people shoving product under my nose, and here I'm like doing a full layout. So I, I, I owe my success in the promotional products industry largely to being ignorant.
1: Right. About right.
0: About the things are done.
1: Well, and and not not um. Not not caring that you were competitively differentiating, you just were doing it. Right? I was just
0: doing the only thing I knew how to do, and that yeah. was to present a product. And you know, when I was pitching a product, for instance, for the entertainment industry for a major film title, for me, I was doing it using my my sales skill sets, yeah. obviously, but also. You know, my creative background, I right. think, is really what came into play there. Yeah. So I was a good salesperson with a great creative background, and that helped me differentiate myself from the competition.
1: Totally get it. Totally get it. And and that's a that's a key uh, recurring theme that we hear amongst successful business people is, you know, wh- whether it's conscious or in, unconscious, that approaching the marketplace with a different mindset oftentimes leads to businesses being able to be in business for 25 years so um congratulations to you there i mean so Thank so you. So, you. so you have that framework behind you and it's mm-hmm. it's uh it, it's given you the opportunity right to like to stay to say for your business like i i can humble brag i have these i we've we've not we've done well for ourselves and it's given mm-hmm. us the opportunity but Tell me how you ended up in California though. Like you, you're from Indiana. Like you're right from around the corner from me. Yeah, yeah And yeah. and and I remember, you know, getting to meet you in your hometown one time and how fun that was for the two of us. Oh, but, that
0: was the coolest thing ever to have somebody in the industry be kind of. I mean, you're from Michigan yeah. and I'm from Indiana, and you were, you know, crossing paths through that area, and I'm sitting on a picnic bench overlooking my lake that I grew up on, <laughs> Lake Max Pecky, and I'm meeting with a friend and a colleague from from the industry and we're just you know chatting and it was almost kind of surreal yeah I agree uh, somebody from the industry be in my hometown it was I don't think I've ever had anybody back there with me so it was pretty cool after all these 25 years and and the fact that you go there I guess for hockey at the academy that was pretty cool
1: yeah well and I think in a lot of ways like The reason why I wanted to have this conversation with you is because I have had an opportunity to sort of know your story from that perspective. So so how does that hardworking Midwestern girl find herself in the middle of California?
0: So I've been thinking about uh, you know your question when you just asked here while you were talking, and I, I I wanted to say through sheer will and determination <laughs> I got to California, but actually I met a man <laughs> who moved me to California, <laughs> and um, that didn't last very long. But not long after uh, we broke up, I met my husband of 25 years. Uh, so everything's happening this year. We celebrated twenty five yeah. years of the anniversary and my business is twenty five years old, which
1: was founded. Milestone Year, no doubt.
0: Milestone Year, yes, for sure. But um, you know, I I uh, I grew up with kind of a storied background. I think that comes out in some of the things that I'm doing for social good and, and through the through some of the other things I'm doing that I'm sure we'll get to, but um, yeah, I think I was just in some ways kind of running to California and trying to get away from some of the, you know, the, 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 the story background that I had as a youth growing up in, in Indiana.
1: Yeah, um, there's a country music song and the title is Everyone's Famous in a Small Town. And sometimes the best thing for a small town, anyone to do is to go be someone somewhere else. and. Yeah. And, you know, I live in a small town and what's interesting about it's almost like a John Cougar Mellencamp song. He wrote about it, the whole idea of like you go away, but you don't leave who you are behind. It helps. It helps you become who you're intending to become. And sometimes people go home after they've had a chance to go find out who they're supposed to be. Right. So so it's fun for me to watch you go back and like hang out with your friends uh, on that lake and and reconnect in that way so uh, it's good for you that that you've been yeah, able to I'm do that you' sure three through and three that's for sure right 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 so um you know you're it's a bit of a paradox to me though tanya because you're so and, and ser- creative services outsourced is like a service provider in a lot of ways so that that makes sense to me now like you you come you came at things from the very beginning as like i'm going to solve a problem for you as opposed to just selling a product but um it's not very often that you see cre- cre- people who can be creative like what you've talked about doing and also be a hustler at the same time that, that a lot of times it's like you can you can tell a creative all day long because that's all like they don't have that business savvy and that entrepreneurial spirit and they're just because they're pursuing their art in a lot of ways. So, but yet here you are, you pick yourself up, you tell, you're like, okay, we're going to California. You built this crazy successful business. And yet that was only like the beginning. And then you were like, okay, now, now what? So talk a little bit about that, how that journey started to transform for you when it came to the, the story that you wrote.
0: Yeah, you know, I hear a lot that creatives um, aren't potentially very successful in their fields of, or when they start a business. And, you know, I don't know if it was that I feel like I was blessed with an analytical mind. And so I do enjoy deploying my left brain. I absolutely enjoy more deploying my right brain. I think that's really my comfort zone, but I think if I were creative all day long every day, I'd get bored. And if yeah. I worked on my, my left brain all day long every day, I'd get bored. So I don't know what it is about me as an entrepreneur that separates, you know, me from from other creatives who maybe would have a harder time, you know, being or becoming uh, entrepreneurial. Uh, I think it, I think I'm blessed that I that I have both. Um, i think that uh when i when i talk about the creative side i know that it's equally as important to be analytical uh when you're an entrepreneur and it's also important to really um be able to draw the line between one when one stops and when one begins and sometimes the fun the best part about being an entrepreneur is when you can kind of merge those two together yeah you know like you're conducting a staff meeting a brainstorming session with your staff and so you're the entrepreneur and you're the leader yeah you get to take part in the creative energy that happens in that brainstorming session so I really feel for me when I get to do both at the same time that's when I'm in my sweet spot
1: yeah that makes perfect sense and um, in a lot of ways I liken it to almost like like uh, what it must be like to be a conductor of a symphony right like there's Part of the joy and the beauty of the art is the ability of all of the instruments to to work together in harmony and to execute on a plan that a musician wrote to say, this is what it should sound like if all of you are doing it the way it's supposed to be done, and then letting the people bring their own virtuosity to it. Like that's that's so exciting when it when it works and when it happens. And you know, the the notion that you can then add a social good element to that element of creativity is where like, that just is like mind blowing, right? Like, yeah. and, to, and to add to it, oh, look what we're doing for the world, by the way. So talk a little bit about that. Like, you know, the project oh, so the project that itself. And,
0: that didn't just happen overnight yeah. where one day I woke up and I said, hey, I wanna do some good in the world. Yep. Um, I think it, I think it took being able to build a successful business and to understand how to found another company that um, that had a social and/or environmental um, uh, underlying mission to it, like I've I've done with the Finding Porter Gore project. Right. Uh, I don't think that when um, I kind of my process kind of happened a little bit more organically. It was sometime around 2012, uh, after 20 years of what I I haven't done math there. What is that? 20, 19, 20 years of of owning a business, I went through some burnout and I remember sitting in my office and um, I realized that, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I have a dream that I haven't quite accomplished yet. And that was ever since I was a little girl, I wanted to write books for children. And I realized if I wasn't going to ever find the time to do that, then I never would. Right. And it was a little dream of mine that I just wanted to accomplish, and I had written a book, and I must have written 50 versions over a period of something like 18 years. Um, so I was writing in my free time, obviously, but I wasn't doing anything about what I was writing. And so that burnout coupled with... Um, almost a feeling like I was losing a bit of my creative edge, you know, after being an entrepreneur for so long and not really getting into the thick with with clients and their specific projects as much as I had in the past because my staff was doing a lot of that. I realized what I needed was, through the burnout, was a sabbatical. So I took Mm -hmm. six months off from my organization. It didn't just happen overnight. I obviously had a lot of planning to do and I had to get my staff ready for that kind of transition. During the period of six months, I published Samuel T. Moore of Portamagor. And all of that was about me. It was about marketing a book, writing books for children, marketing books for children. It wasn't about um, doing anything with it for social good, although the book's themes definitely were themes that involve, you know, kids learning how to persevere and stand up to bullies and to understand the concept of home and the process and the home that they're trying to build and protect. Uh, so there's a lot of underlying themes that I think are delicately woven into the book. <laughs>
1: very, very, and very well done.
0: Thank you, and it's, it's gotten a, a, a nice following and it's gotten some social good causes attached to it. But it wasn't until actually when somebody in this industry reached out to me, he had gotten a copy of the book when it was on the iPad, um, the animated, narrated version with the original musical score. And he said to me, so Tanya, because my kids love the book, it's fantastic, love it. But, you know, tell me, Tanya, you're in marketing. And I'll <laughs> never forget the way he said this. You're in marketing. How are you going to elevate this book above the noise of all the other children's picture books out there? Huh. And it's funny, because, I, of course, I answered the question. And I said, well, you know, thanks for asking. I said, <laughs> you know, I... Am doing school speaking engagements, and I'm on social media, and I'm and I listed all the things that I was doing, and as I was saying it, I I knew what there there would be a, a lull in the conversation because <laughs> I was doing was what every other author in the universe is doing to market right. their books. Right, I wasn't doing what I practice with my clients and getting them to stand out and be different and to differentiate. Yep. And so that question, how would you elevate your book above the noise of all the other children's picture books out there, kind of kept me up at night. And um, one morning I woke up in the middle of, I mean, I was wafting in and out of lucidity and I said, I, I got it. I got it. I'm going to find an island somewhere in the world and call it Port like the fictional place in my children's picture book. And that one that one moment of, you know, wafting in and out of lucidity yeah. basically changed the course of my life, huh. um, and uh, instead of marketing books for children and, you know, write, writing books for children, it connected me with a purpose, and that's because when I found, the uh, when I started researching islands, there was one thing that I read about, you know, the children of Nicaragua, and that was one third of them drop out of school by the time they reached the sixth grade, and my son was in the sixth grade, and suddenly my passion connected with its purpose, Yeah. and then I had to go there, and so I was like I was being driven by some out-of-body experience, right. and even when I was there, I was like, how on earth did I get here? <laughs> and then moreover, how on earth did I actually find an island and virtually have one handed to me on a silver platter by a man I wildly respect and his family, Ambassador Francisco Campbell, the Nicaraguan ambassador of the United States who owns an island has been in his family for, for, I don't know exactly how long. And that island has been sitting vacant and dormant, and they really didn't have any idea what to do with it, but they knew that that tourism was coming to Nicaragua, and, um, and I wanted to figure out how to connect all of those dots. So in some ways, I got the island before I actually yeah. had a full business plan, but sometimes that's how I work. I'm a big picture thinker, <laughs> and then I kind of backtrack from the big dreams and goals, and it's funny. That's worked out very well for me. And it does because I am really great at building, uh, utilizing my network, I think, um, and finding people who are much smarter than me in everything that I'm doing um, to help me put the pieces of the puzzle together. Yeah. So that's really how it kind of all came
1: to be. Well, and the notion of you with your service background, you with your competitive differentiation sort of coming naturally to you, there's an interesting dichotomy there that you went to go sort of serve your creative side and forgot about what made you good as a salesperson. <laughs> right, right. But then the the true entrepreneur and what you're talking about when you say big picture is I think a lot of times what people fail to realize is like, all right. so first you had this crazy big notion that you were going to do this. And re- the law of attraction says you say it and it has a way of happening, but most people would have just went, oh yeah, like, no, no, come on, like, that's, that sounds great. But in reality, how would I ever even pull that off? And the difference, I think, in, between people who will and people who won't is what you were talking about is like, I know there's things I'm gonna need to get along the way. I'm gonna need an island. I'm gonna need a relationship. I'm gonna need some sponsorship and you don't know what order they're going to happen you just know that they need to occur in order for that to actually become reality and it's having the willingness to not like it's not linear most of the time it it happens the way it's going to happen and you have to be able to endure whatever that's going to be (laughs) right like moving across the country and standing on your own two feet like you know like that, that I stand of the
0: crab in my book. That's exactly what he's doing. Yeah. He's building a home and he's and he's trying to, you know, fight for it and figure out what, what that concept of home means to him. Meanwhile, there's this great tidal wave who's the big bad bully, and you have all these naysayers, these birds mocking in flocks as he's trying to build his home and beat the great tidal wave yep. and do it before the tide comes in and sweeps his home that he's just built out to sea. Right. So what that basically is, is you know the naysayers are really, I think a lot to blame for why people don't move forward with their passion or their projects because there are so many people in their world
1: who will tell them why why it's not a a good, yeah.
0: It's not gonna happen. And all it takes in marketing and in our case, which is I think such a great learning lesson for people in our industry is it takes a first follower. And then a second follower and then a third follower and then people who basically start to glom onto the idea. And that's what happens if you think about it in the sales meeting with our clientele. Is that, you know, maybe we're meeting with a person one on one and you throw out a, you start just tossing ideas around. And then suddenly something connects with the person in the room. The same thing happens when you're dreaming. And when you are thinking maybe you can go out and do great things in the world, is that there are lots of naysayers that are going to tell you you can't. It's financially wrong. It's you know, why, it's impossible. Yeah. Why would There's you? Me.
1: Why would you risk everything? Why would you do why that? Would you risk everything. <laughs> what if you fail?
0: And honestly, for me, I thought I was going to fail. I didn't. You know, I wrote a book about children dreaming and persevering and standing up to what they believe in. So if I failed, the best message I could send a child. Who's read my book is that oh my goodness, she set about to do it. She traveled, she saw the world, yeah, you know, she met nature on its shores. You know, I, I mean, what a story,
1: yeah, no doubt. Well, and and so that's a perfect segue. Like, the uh, so you hear our like our good friend Bobby Leehu, it, and he'll tell you this riveting. Presentation about why marketing via storytelling is so effective, right? So, so you, it's interesting to me that in a lot of ways, like how this all worked out, really did sort of reintersect all of the things, right? So, um, so w- why do you think a buyer would identify with with storytelling when it comes to building our brands? Like, what did you, how did you talk about when you finally made the decision that you were going to market it like a marketer? What did, what did that look like and how did that change from how you started?
0: Well, I'll address the first part of that first. Okay. That is you know, why storytelling is so important to brands. And I think that is specifically because there is no other story like your own story of how you built your company in the first place. Yep. So it's completely unique to you as an entrepreneur, how you got to where you are and where you're going. And I think it's a real opportunity to create some really powerful Im- imagery in your customer's minds. And um, so it's a missed opportunity if you don't do it. In the case of finding Courtney Gore and Sam, I mean, I can't have the island without Sam and I can't have Sam without the island and they intersect. And for me, the hardest thing was, you know, suddenly my passion for writing books for children connected, connected with the purpose and I was so afraid that by pushing Sam at that point, that it would make people think that I wasn't, you know, that it was all about selling books. Right. And it really wasn't. If you understand the organic way this unfolded, it's not like I wrote a book to do social good with it, per se. It happened, and it's part of my story. Yeah. And when people hear it. They obviously know that it's 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 unique and um and it's uh, what's the word i'm looking for it's uh it's authentic
1: it's authentic. it's
0: authentic thank you that's it's what authentic. i was looking for authentic yeah. and so i think that that's kind of the really cool part of the storyline and so when i'm telling the story you know on one hand you can go to finding port you can go to my personal blog you can go to samuel t moore of portmagor each of those have their own identities but the fun part that we're really getting into now is marrying those, right. you know, crossing those brands together, where, you know, like for instance, the book was uh, recently picked up by an organization called CASA of um, Marshall County, Indiana. And the coolest part in the whole wide world is when I was a kid, I was, I was in foster care for a period of time. And CASA, they advocate for kids who are entering the system through foster care. Kids who maybe have experienced abuse or neglect, and the coolest part of that story is that most people would think that I went to Casa and said my book is perfect. Right. I'm a fo- I was a foster kid. Right. I'll, you know, I wrote this book to help kids like you know kids that enter your system, but that's not how it happened. The very same organization that advocates for kids back in the in the Midwest found my book organically through a friend. who put it in front of their nose and they contacted me. So I really do believe that I'm on the path of what I was born to do. Yeah, Because there haven't been a lot of obstacles. There's right. no path to entry. I mean, there's a learning curve obviously with doing business, particularly as a female, in Latin America, sure. that sort of thing. And obviously there's a lot going on in Nicaragua right now um, with you know the civil unrest that's happening that is just, um, it's so sad and I'm just kind of you know taking a uh, wait and see kind of approach with what happens next over there and listening and learning and, and, and waiting. That's what I'm doing right yeah. now. Um, but that's given me an opportunity to focus, focus on some of the other things that I'm working on that surround the Finding board project like the
1: book. Yeah, absolutely. And
0: organizations like CASA.
1: Well, and, and again, the entrepreneur doesn't wait. The Entrepreneur finds other things to do while that, stage of development plays itself out, right? And so right, we we'll, right. we all have our fingers crossed for you when it comes to that. I, I know you know that, oh, but, you. but I yeah. wanted to make sure that you, you know. The, the authenticity of this, Tanya, really is what, when Promo Cares got started, the conversation I most frequently would have with someone who I was talking about the project with would say to me, the only thing you have to worry about is coming off as being unauthentic. Mm-hmm. So it's consistent. It's the it's the only way that you can screw up something like this is to do it for the wrong reason. Right. And right. and what I, like my answer to most people in that conversation that they don't really want to hear because they want to know that there's a better plan to make sure it doesn't happen is inauthentic stuff is pretty easy to spot. Right. Right. So.
0: I, I agree, hundred <laughs> percent. And um, yeah, you know, you don't you don't go about this. Uh, you don't go about anything that has to do with helping other people without really understanding the people that you're trying to help. And so long time ago, it stopped being about an Island and it started to become about the people. And so the last thing I'm worried about is, is the Island development being at a standstill. I'm concerned about Greta Gonzalez, my female architect that we hired who, because of the project, we gave her the foundation to be able to start her own art and design center because we believed in her and that work then got pressed out. And then that, then she got more jobs and, and she was able to then create the first art and design center in Bluefields, Nicaragua. And because the tourists have all left the country or mostly have left the country and the NGOs have all pulled out. You know, my big concern is not, okay, the island's at a standstill, but what can I be doing yeah, yeah. to help the people that right. we've met along the way in right. the project that have contributed to it greatly? Yeah. So, the Finding Corda Magor project, I realize, is kind of this unfolding um, mission. It's not, it's about the people that we serve and, and how can we do that? And yeah. can we do that even in a period of civil unrest? I don't
1: know, but uh, we're just doing whatever we can. Yeah, no, and so um, you've heard me say this idea of purpose being identified as the fifth P of marketing. And Danny and I both, like, we believe it in our core that, that that's it should be, we perceive it that way. And a big part of what we're doing is based on trying to make that be so. But um, I think, like, you and you and I both are familiar with B Corp, and we we had a our inaugural promo cares radio was you know basically an introduction to uh, what being being that is. So if people have listened to that, they they know what I'm talking about. If not, then hopefully they'll go back and listen to that that one as well. But how's what ha- how's what's happened to you? Reinforce this notion that like. It's because of tag source success that you have the opportunity to be able to do these amazing acts of good. Like, where do you come out on that?
0: Okay, so so Finding of Magor is a California B Corp, We're the fundraising arm of the Finding of Magor project at Hog Key, Nicaragua. Right. Um, and a B Corp is an organization that has an underlying social or entrepreneur or uh, environmental mission. So yep. we kind of check off both of those things. Yeah. Um, Like I said, if it weren't for TAG and my years of running an organization, I don't know if I would be able to be sitting here with, you know, a 29-acre island under my belt. Hmm. Um, The fact that I have TAG Source, I mean, it's really my moneymaker. It allows me the freedoms to, you know, pour some of my own money into – the organization. So we haven't been really um, raising much money at this point in time because we're in architectural design. But because I believe in my own thing, right. I pour money into my own thing. Yep. And um, I believe that, uh, you know, that's what it takes. So I, I, I have kind of a couple of theories here. On one hand, in our industry specifically, I see how how a newbie who comes into the industry and kind of starts to make a mark right away yep. is glomped onto, and then immediately they become the face of the promotional products industry. <laughs> often said that that's good and bad. It's good because you've got these new faces and these new voices were are elevating them, and it's bad because we're taking them out of their de- out of their seed. Right. And we're taking them out of their breadwinning potential and we're taking them out of truly being able to make an impact. And I remember the best thing I can equate that to is I think it was two years into business and I was nominated and elected onto the SAC board. Right. Director. And that was the hardest year of my life. Yeah. I gotta be honest. with you. When I was running my business. Maybe it was year three. I was trying to run my business and there was a very, um, uh, dominating part of my experience yeah. as an entrepreneur that year. Yeah. And so I think maybe we might be pulling people too soon and getting them out of their seats too soon. And that's why you see a lot of job switching uh-huh. um very early on. I see that a lot. Um very early on with newbies in particular in the industry. I mean it's one thing if you're a season savvy, you know, yeah. executive sure. and you're you know you're just finding the right place to go home. Right. It's another thing if you're new to the industry. Yeah. So I think, while I 100% think that people should set out to go about and do good things now, if they can, in any way that they can, and not let anything stand in their way to do good, I also think that it helps to build a good financial foundation so that you can support those other things that you want to do. So if I didn't have TAG, there's no way that I'd be able to step away from my desk. You know, I have to hire people to, you know replace me or I have to put other people, I have to move people around the seats and when I can't be there because I'm working on finding Portembourg or the book or whatever. So that's my two cents on it. I don't know if that's good or bad. Um, maybe I'm looking at it the wrong way.
1: Well, here. Well, there's, I, I guess there's a couple ways to, to look at that comment. Um, so you, you, you and I know that like, as the people who are joining the workforce are joining the workforce, that they they they're the ones driving this demand in a lot of ways because they they're expecting it and they're expecting it because they've been raised on Tom shoes and you know stuff like that. So so they're looking for it and they're expecting it to be there or at very least they're using their their dollars as votes. Right and and the, and they're You're saying. are
0: talking about specifically. I just want to clarify. So You're social talking social good about businesses yeah. doing good in the industry and how that makes an impact.
1: Yeah. Right. Yep. Okay. Yep. And so, but but to your point though, um, we the industry does have a way of gl- glorifying and and it's um, it's it's kind of weird in some ways. Like you can establish celebrity in the promotional products industry and like you know we we list the power. F- Powerful and we who are yeah. the rising star. Like it's it's interesting to me because I've worked in a lot of other industries and that doesn't happen Like the, well,
0: I think In any industry, it's great to elevate people and I think I know you I, I know you so well I would say you absolutely agree with that, but I do think that sometimes we're Elevating people too soon where their focus yeah. becomes the voice and face of the industry yeah. and As not,
1: it, At the expense you know, well and that that was yeah. sort of what I was like for you I, I think you got you because you were gonna take a sabbatical, you said, I need to structure my business to live without me. And you set up you set about a plan to make that be the case, which affords you the opportunity now to go do those things. But the business doesn't have to suffer because you as the business owner reached a point where it stopped being about you and you let it be about the people and therefore you gave them a plan and like the symphony conductor, they're orchestrating it and making great music, which then affords you the opportunity to go off and do what you're doing. And But what I see, I think, is going to happen and what we're hoping will be the case is that if people are demanding that there's some social element to their their purchases, if, if there's an opportunity to meet that demand by creating product based campaigns that have the opportunity to do social good, like that's a home run for us for as an industry. Oh, I
0: think it's a and it's a huge m- missed mark in our industry. Well, I mean, it's not just. I, I see some companies dabbling in it. I know what is it? Thread for, for, for Good? Threads for good?
1: Yeah, peerless. Yeah. Well, uh, and you t- know, I would say, like- yeah, it's growing, and 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 with, like that's the beauty of this is that I, I think we're on the early side of what's what's happening, and. That's fun for us as an industry, because especially in the ad mix, typically, unless it's being done at an agency level, you know, the tail has a way of being wagged by the dog when it comes to what we do in a lot of ways. So by getting in front of this and creating purpose and giving people the opportunity to say like, ooh, I, I like the opportunity to have that be a part of my buying decision would be a real coup for our industry. And I, and I, I predict it will happen.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that we're on the path. And I, I, like I said, I, I see companies are, are doing it and others are dabbling in it. Yeah. And, you know, I would like to see our industry really become very uh, focused on what the people in the industry, what causes mean something to them. Right. I, security has reached out to me from Peerless and, has indicated that finding of McGloor could be the beneficiary of one of those products right. that they find for the, I think it's called the Threats for Good.
1: Yep, Threads for, for Good.
0: Um, and that's a great opportunity. And it's just an example of how an organization in our industry can look at um, maybe like a Danny Rosen and see what he's doing with Band Together and say, how can we help? Yep. Rather than every organization kind of, you know, trying to found their own, right. Cause or picking a cause that's maybe already of national noteworthiness. Yep. You know, there's an opportunity for suppliers to look at causes that you know people like you and me create every day, like yep. yours now, Promo Kitchen, Finding Quarter Band Together. I mean, can, the list goes on yeah. and on and on <laughs> of really great organizations that people in our industry are are actively working on.
1: I. Couldn't have said it better, Tanya. And you know, it'll be, it'll be fun. I hope, for us to look back on this, at some future point and say, were we right? What you know, what's happened yeah. in the interim? And I, I'm excited for uh, the promise that that represents. So, um, we we hope that, purpose is inspirational, and that, the marriage of. Sales skill and passion and purpose is like that you know it's it's a magical combination. So I'm hope if someone finds inspiration in what you're doing and says to themselves like I don't even know where to start. What 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 kind of advice would you give someone that's well intentioned, a well intentioned but reluctant distributor? That what could be like your first thing you should do if this is the way you want to go is do what, Tanya? Yeah,
0: somebody wanted to. Be a part of a cause. I mean, it's just put the put their ducks in a row so that they can invest their time and/or their money and/or their resources into being able to do it. Yeah, I'm, i I think in this day and age, I'm. I'm so tired of people who talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, and, talk, and not enough people who act and act and act and act.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I think that you know the people who impact me the most, who inspire me the most are the people who put their money where their mouth is or their actions where their mouth is and actually they can talk about it but then actually go out and do something about it, which is why, you know, somebody like Danny Rosen is so revered in our industry. I just had, you know, uh, met him while I was in uh, Raleigh uh, a couple weeks ago while I was back there traveling and I just, I'm always so inspired by him. You know, he's raising all that money for Band Together um he's doing it from the heart he's you know he's probably the most authentic person you will ever meet and i would say you know be like danny
1: <laughs>
0: you know so that's that that's the one thing that i would say is figure out what he's doing asking questions you probably would kill me for say that I if everybody just says danny how'd you do what you do <laughs> but you know he should be a model for something like that my project is not u.s centered it's different it's difficult it's it, it involves a lot of moving parts all the time. Yep. And That are you know, it's not just here in the U.S. It's in Latin America, and you know, um, it's I, I think it's I think it's hard, um, but it's fun, and um, I wish it would move faster.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, you know, there's something called Nica time, uh, where you know our our speed in which we do things in the U.S. is very different than the speed in which things happen in Nicaragua. Yeah. And that's part of the learning curve of doing it but back to your question i would say you know be like danny whatever you know whatever good people in this industry are doing you know try to replicate it somehow and then put one foot in front of the other and just get it done gosh darn it
1: well and what's interesting to me is we've been doing this long enough now right so we've been producing content around promo cares for seven months so Mm -hmm um the the social accounts are growing where people are mentioning it in like independent of any of us in certain instances now so it's grown some legs and what i'm what i'm always interested when people approach me about you know wanting to talk about promo cares is sort of this this element like i don't i don't know how to get involved but i you know i love the idea of this and you know what 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 should i do sort of thing and and (laughs) we by by virtue of the stories that are coming out and whether they be written or you know these longer form ones like what you and i are doing i think if you do nothing other than just put yourself in the mindset of adopting this mentality that's the first and easiest thing is to say I'm going to start surrounding myself with the people and the messages that are consistent with where I want to take myself. And it's like the company you keep. And I, I proclaimed my New Year's resolution to make 2018 the best year ever. And I wrote a piece about it. And, you know, the idea is really not whether it is or isn't. It's the fact that that's what I want it to be and if today is great awesome if it sucks it doesn't ruin anything it's just one more day in what i hope is the best year ever and what i'm trying to make is the best year ever and things like promo cares are when you when you connect that passion with things you really believe in right that's that's where the return on investment can really start to be enormous and i think what you're describing with danny in a lot of ways is that he's been at this long enough that people recognize him for being just a really good person And so therefore he's kind of like the mayor of raleigh in a lot of ways because because when you walk around with that dude everybody like everybody knows him and it's you know he and not only that but he knows their stories and so by by getting into this mindset of like i'm surrounding myself with the messages that are consistent with where i want my life to be like to me that start there and if you can get yourself in that position usually what happens next is An idea like, I think I'm going to have an island in Nicaragua.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny. You're talking about uh, relationships and you're talking about networking there and how important that is in our business anyway, aside from what we're doing and the good that we're doing. In fact, I'm I'm doing a a 75-minute speaking engagement in Indiana at the State CASA Conference. Nice. And it's centered around relationships. And and that talk is still kind of in in the throes here. But it, there is no secret that the company I've kept um, through my colleagues and it, my network in general, right off the bat, those people helped me get where I was going. Yeah. I asked questions. I looked at my network for people. You know, It turns out one of my clients is Nicaraguan. I flew to Nicaragua for the very first time with her, and I traveled her father's free trade coffee plantation and met 100 huh. agricultural people. Huh. Uh, farm workers, children, not children who work on the farm. And, and then from there, she went with me to the Atlantic Caribbean coast where our Island was. And she walked the Island with me for the first time. One of my own clients. How cool! When this all happened. And so the company you keep is pretty important if you want to do better, mm-hmm. um, or if you want to do, you know, I hate saying do good, but, um, you know, I, I, it's people like Danny that inspire. It's people like you that inspire doing this. And, and hopefully I can be an inspiration to people in this industry, but it's not why I'm doing it. Um, I think if you can just put all those components together and figure out what makes you tick. In some ways, getting off my own one acre here in sunny California was the impetus for it. You know, I didn't feel like I was I – was, doing anything beyond my own orbit. I mean, I've done things, but nothing like this. And so maybe, just maybe I can impart some sort of living legacy or a legacy, you know, when I'm gone someday through what I've done. And that would be just, that would be amazing.
1: Well, and hopefully this podcast now becomes a part of that canon of work as (laughs) we've given, given you the opportunity to really tell your story here. And I, you know, I, I hope, that the listeners really you know can can connect with and understand how it's obvious that you've reached that intersection of when all of those elements allow you to just do the best possible work that you possibly can so having said that all that tanya and as i give you the last word here you know what what parting thoughts do you want to leave with folks as as we're gonna uh, wrap up the episode
0: you know i would say. Think- all of this centers around um, doing good, um, I had heard somebody say somewhere a long time ago, don't do good to feel good, do good to do good. Yeah. And I love that because nobody needs to be a hero. I mean, I like talking about what I do because I'm a marketer and I'm a storyteller. And I, I definitely put it out there, but I'm I'm not looking for the compliments or, yeah. you know, I'm looking for, I want I'm proud of what I've built. And I've met some extraordinary people along the way, and I want to I want to talk about that. Yeah. And that goes back to authenticity. So yeah. don't don't do it to be a hero. Do it because it's it's the right thing to do. Yeah. You know, it's great that it makes me feel good along the way, and I'm proud of it. That's that I think that's okay. But don't do it to feel good.
1: Yeah. The the journey is the destination right?
0: The journey is the destination. Yeah. And I don't know where this thing's going to end up, to be honest with you. I don't know what's going to happen to Nicaragua. It's, uh, you know, all I can do is, is just, um, you know, just keep positive and keep trying to do what I do. And, and hopefully that will one day make some significant impact over there and here in the U.S. where I'm also working. Well,
1: I mean, and, and nothing for nothing, it's not called a project for no reason. It's not just, it's not just, Nicaragua it's a project and you're, right. do, you're doing lots yeah. of things so congratulations again I, I can't wait to get, get this out and published I think you know uh, I really enjoyed it and I'm really glad that you spent the time with me well
0: thank you so much I'm so glad to be here with you today you're the best and uh hey have a great day